0: Good morning. Yes, glad to have you here, and uh, this is a good crowd here for this morning. So thank you for being here, for coming out, and um, good to see some new faces with us this morning. It's also good to see one of my pastor buddies, Pastor Randy, and his wife Debbie. They're here today, and um, we're glad to have you guys here. He is the pastor of Stony Creek Church and downtown Utica, and um, so we're glad to have you with us today, and um, he's not skipping his church, he's on a little vacation, so just give him some, you know, I understand, I understand, sometimes he just needs to just go to church, so we're glad to have you here, and I hope I didn't ruin your cover this morning, (laughs) so anyway, wow, we're glad that you're here, and um, and I'm uh, kicking off a brand new series on miracles. And, um, and we're going to be doing that in a short little bit after the service. We have, uh, toward the end of the service, we're going to be doing communion and um, with our church family, with all of us here. For those who are in Christ, we invite you to be a part of this um, uh, special uh, sacrament time of uh, ordinance to God that he created, and uh, where we can give to him and, and, and reflect on him. And uh, so we'll be doing that in a few minutes. And afterwards, we have a membership class. We've got a good number of you signed up for our membership class after church, and so we got a full day, but I'm really, really excited to kick off this series. Um, my goal is for you and I to experience the awe and wonders of Jesus. I want us to just look and look at his life, because what he does to blow us away, and, and I hope that we understand that the God of miracles yesterday is still the God of miracles today and tomorrow. And I, I pray that throughout this series we will recognize that. We will see Jesus, the miracle working God. And I, I pray that we will get that today and get that in this series. And as I think about this series, as I think about words, the English words, you know, most of you know I'm 80% deaf, and it's hard for me to sometimes hear the English word uh, really well. Um, and one person that really has a hard time understanding me, and we, you know, me and this person, we kind of, you know, it gets ugly sometimes. I mean, it gets bad. But I have this person in my life, and that person is on my phone, and his name is Zoe. Well, her name is Surrey. And Surrey and I just can't, stand, we just can't stand each other. Yesterday, I was uh, trying to search. Last night, I took my daughter to a, a, at a date. My little five-year-old daughter on a date. And we went to see the princess, all the Disney princesses at the, at the ball. I went in war somewhere, so it was like we fought the weather. We're going to get there. And she's dressing her gown. I really didn't know where to go. And you know, I just sign up, and I'm like, you know, I haven't really planned my thoughts. So I'm, I'm, I'm searching, and I said, Surrey, help me find the enchanted, the, the enchanted princess ball. Search for the enchanted princess ball. You understand me, right? Is that pretty clear? we was trying to find the infected ball. I said, no, Suri, I'm not looking for the infected ball. And so I tried it again, and it said it's looking for the bye-bye man. I said, no, I'm not looking for the bye-bye man. I don't know what the bye-bye man is. Try it again. And, uh, and I, I said, it, Suri, help me find the enchanted princess ball, and it said it's looking for the enchanted from fastball. I'm like, okay. I quit. I mean, I quit. I had to just manually do it myself, you know, which was just sometimes easier just to bypass Surrey. I mean, there have been times with Surrey. I asked Surrey for a question, and Surrey would cuss me out. I mean, I'm like, come on. You know, I don't deserve that. And, uh, and so we just don't get along. Now, if there was a British speaking Surrey, maybe he and I, because I think I sometimes sound like I'm from England and I'm not, but. You know, we can get along maybe, but this is an English American speaking theory and it does not like me. I think about words. How oftentimes get it translated and mistranslated, misunderstood. You know, the English language is one of the poorest language in the world. It really is. That's all we know, but the English language is one of the weakest language that we have. We have words in our English language that are pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. We you think about eggplant, there's no egg in eggplant. Think about a hamburger. No <laughs> ham. And a hamburger. But we call it a hamburger. A pineapple. It's neither a pine nor an apple. But we call it a pineapple. You know, when we, th- when we talk about quicksand, a quicksand actually works really slow. Not quick. But we call it quicksand. Bots and rings. They're actually squares, right? A little confusion there. We park on driveways and we drive on the parkways. <laughs> we say that our noses run and our feet smell. You know, the things that we say. The English words, and words are funny. But today I'm going to be talking about the only word. That Jesus doesn't understand. The only word that Jesus does not comprehend. And we come to a miracle, one of the most popular miracles. In fact, it's the only miracle in the Bible that's written in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the only miracle that gets in on all four accounts. And that is the feeding of the 5,000. And as we read the following verses in Matthew, we're going to look at Matthew's account. I want you to see if you can spot the only word that Jesus doesn't understand. Matthew chapter 14, if you're opening your Bibles, if you take your hand out of we have the verses on the screens. The Bible says in verse 13, it says, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Now, let me back up here. What happened? What just happened is his cousin, John the Baptist, had just lost his head, literally. He lost his head. He was killed by the king. And this was a friend. This was someone that Jesus was really close with. I mean, John the Baptist paved the way for Jesus. And so when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had lost his head and was killed, he went to a solitary place to grieve. He needed to grieve. Even the Son of Man, the Son of God, needed to grieve. Hearing of this, the crowd followed him on foot from town. So the words got out. They said, okay, we found, we, we hear where Jesus is, and they followed Jesus. And when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. And instead of pushing them away and saying, I'm grieving, I need time for myself, the Bible said that he had compassion on them and healed the sick. And as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Uh, Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And the disciples respond, We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus said, Bring them here to me. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, to look up to the heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people, and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides the women and children it might be safe to say that there was at least 15,000 people or more at this gathering, and Jesus fed them all. Now, I hope you pick out that word, the only word that Jesus doesn't understand. The only word, and if you will look in in verse number 17, the disciple says, we have here, Only five loaves of bread. And the only word that Jesus doesn't understand is the word only. It's the word only. We have here only five loaves and two fish. And Jesus didn't even consider the word only. He ignored it. He didn't even pay attention to it. He said, hey, those five loaves and two fishes is enough. It's enough. And in this story, I want us to see three types of people. There are three types of people that I want you to pull out from the story. Perhaps just see yourself in one of these three people. Maybe in a couple of these people, you might, you might see yourself multiple times. The first type of people is the feelers. The feelers. They address their problems with their emotions. They would say things like, I feel. I feel. The disciples, they look around, they see the crowd, they see people that haven't ate all day, and they're nowhere close to a McDonald's, they're nowhere close to a local restaurant or a grocery store, They're nowhere close, and they had a moment of panic. They had a moment of of panic because the day was getting late and people were getting hungry. I don't know about you, but when I miss a meal, personally, I start to get a little hangry. Uh, How many of you know what I'm talking about? You get a little hangry? By the way, I just read this past week that the Webster Dictionary finally recognizes the word hangry, and they put it in the dictionary. It's someone who's angry and hungry at the same time. They miss a meal, all right? And, and some of you are looking at me with those hangry eyes, okay? I'll be done soon. I'll make sure we get done at a timely fashion. I always do, right? I always do. You know, the worst thing that Karen, my wife, can do for me, the worst thing that she does is send me on um, to the grocery store with a list, especially when I'm already hungry. This happens, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? All right. The wife will send you a list of four or five things to get, and you come back with about 15, 20 different things. You know, you got all the snacks. You know, you're, you're hungry. You're just walking down the aisle. Ooh, that looks good. And you start grabbing stuff, you know, and, and that happens all the time. In fact, it happened. I think, on Friday. You know, just, you know she had me get, pick four things up, and I come back with about 10 different things, you know, because when I'm hungry, I'm picking stuff up, and... And when I'm hungry, I'm sometimes weak. I'm sometimes, hey, you know, this is is a bad time for me to make major decisions. Anytime you and I approach a problem with feelings, you are in danger of making bad mistakes. I always tell people to be careful when you're making a decision, especially when you're emotionally charged, when you're tired, when you're angry, when, uh, when you're, when you're uh, tired, or in my case, hungry, and in the disciples' case, when you're stressed out. When you're stressed out, and anytime you're in one of those type of positions, your, your feelings will start to take over and oftentimes will mislead you into the wrong decision. And here's the disciples, they're stressed out. Hey, Jesus, we've got to send these people out of here. Enough is enough. We need to stop the miracles. You need to stop healing. You need to stop teaching. We've got to send these people home. Because people are looking at us with hangry eyes. And we don't know what to do with it. The first type of people in the story are the feelers. The second type of people in the story is the figurers. The figurers. You're like, what are you talking about? All right? Just so play with me. It's not figures. Can we, can we fit that word? Can we fit that word and put an R at the end? Figurers. R E R S. R E R S. They address problems with their mind. There we go. Thank you, guys. That's the word. He said that didn't sound like a word, Why well, I'm making it a word today, okay? Now, these are the people that like to fit things in their mind. They say things I think. These are the analyzers, the calculators. I sometimes see myself in this. I like to make sure all of my dots are lined up in a row before I make a decision. These are the calculators. In the account of the miracle in the Gospel of John, in John's account of the story, we are told that Philip, one of the disciples made a statement to Jesus about feeding the crowd. He said in John 6, verse 7, when Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wage to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Now, I think Philip is the CPA of the disciples. I mean, I could just see him whipping out his calculator, trying to figure out the math, trying to, trying to make, make sense of the whole situation. And he's doing the math, and he said, okay, Jesus, 15,000 people at $2 a meal divided by a month paycheck, and he's working it all out. And he had it all figured out. But God's math, understand this, but God's math is always different than your math. It's always different than my math. When we pass out the food, we divide it. But when Jesus passed out the food, he multiplies it. Human math says five loaves plus two fish times you know divided by 15,000 equals impossible. Five loaves plus two fish divided by 15,000, impossible. But God's math is when five loaves plus two fish times the power of God equals Fifteen thousand both stomachs. But we got the feelers. We got the figures. And sometimes it takes out the third person, the third type of person, and get me work with me, okay? Here's the word. It's faithers. Faithers. There we go. Not fathers. Faithers. Oftentimes we don't want to live by faith. We like to live by feelings. We like to live by uh, figuring things out. That's how the disciples were rolling this story. Uh, They're feeling stressed out. Hey, here's the solution. Send everyone home. Here's Philip over here. Okay, I'm trying to figure this out. Uh, God, this is impossible. But there is one person in the story who is a faither. A faither. And a faither says something like this. I believe that God is able. Notice in Matthew 14, verse 17 and 18, notice what the feelers and the figurers were saying to Jesus. They said, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus said, bring them here to me. So the disciples used the word only, But Jesus didn't understand it. He said, your only is enough for me to make plenty. Your only is enough for me to make plenty. And there was one faith in the crowd. In John's account, we, we note Andrew found a boy, an unnamed little boy who actually was, had a little Happy Meal. And in that meal, he had five bones and a couple of slices of fish. And, and, and Andrew brought this little boy's lunch to, to Jesus. And I could just see that little boy in all his little face and said, Jesus, here's my lunch. I surrender my lunch. I'm not sure how you're going to do this. I'm not sure what you're going to do with it. But here is my lunch. And he surrendered all that he had. I gave it to Jesus. He didn't know what was going to happen, but he knew that he could trust in Jesus. And that's what faith is. You don't know exactly what will happen, but you are willing to trust in God. I would have loved to see the look of that little boy's face as Jesus started to supersize his happy Meal. He started taking things apart. I would, I would have loved to have been there to see that little boy's eyes wide open. Wow. What an awesome, awesome opportunity to be on the front row of seeing Jesus performing this miracle. Jesus multiplied only that tiny meal until everyone was fed. Not only did he feed the 5,000 men, he fed Why wives. Children. You see, it's God's nature to multiply things. And then, here's another thing about God's nature it's always God's nature to make more than enough. More than enough. What happened at the end of the story? There were 12 baskets left over. It's always not God's nature to always give more than enough. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. Now Paul could have just said, not to him who is able to do more. He could have just been very simple. But he added an adverb on top of another adverb. He added the word immeasurably more to the word do. In other words, when in the in the original language, when you compound adverbs upon adverbs, it basically saying superabundant beyond measure more than more than enough. That's to God that we serve. Not to him who is able to do more than more than enough. Superabundantly more than we can ask or imagine or think or dream according to Not my power, but to his power that is at work within us. You know, back in um, October, we had a campaign for a church towards tomorrow. And uh, and God has been doing some incredible stuff out of that campaign. Our goal, my original goal, was to raise $300,000 for a down payment for a future building or property. And that was my original goal, and I honestly thought that was kind of a crazy goal. And out of that campaign, out of that campaign, we had a commitment of and fifty-plus thousand dollars in commitment. But coming to the, the deadline, you know, where we're encouraging everyone to give in uh, March 18th, which is our eight-year anniversary, that was our goal. A real short campaign, but our goal, and we're getting there. We're getting close. God has blown what I thought could happen. You know, and I believe that God is doing more than what I asked or imagined. And then we're looking for building. We're looking for property. I've got to tell you. I've got to be honest with you. It's overwhelming. You know, some of you have uh, sent me a text message or an email or a phone call. and say, Hey, we've got to check out this property or I saw this. And I go and look over it and uh, I bring Someone with me, you know, Pastor time will come with me, and, and usually a couple others, and we're looking over, and say, man, is this the right place? Does this make sense? We're we'll looking, it doesn't have enough parking, or the land is not quite big enough, or it, it's not really in the area that we want to be. And it's it kind of stressed out, because, you know, hey, where's this going to happen? You know, how are we going to make this happen? And we, get, we begin to think, personally, I begin to think, oh, man, This is all I mean. And often forget because I am sometimes a figurer. I want to figure it out. And sometimes I'm not as strong in my faith in what God has. And I know that God has a plan and a purpose. And it's something a whole lot bigger than what I'm going to figure out. And I'm learning, God. I'm just going to keep trusting you, and I don't know when. I mean I want, it. I want it tomorrow. Some of you are looking at me. some of you talk to me and say, "Hey, we've got to have this done next week." I'll say, "Hey, I'm with you, buddy. <laughs> I'm with you. But I also want to do what God wants, because God's plan is always a lot bigger and better than my plans. Always, always. It may not be on our timeline, but God's timeline, get this, its always perfect. We just have to trust in it. We have to trust in it. And we're looking. We're working hard. We're doing our part. I always say, you know, pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on you. We're doing our part. But we also have to know that God has his part. And we have to lean on him to trust him. Because what we do, he is able to do immeasurably more. In other words, when he shows up, it will blow us out of the water. Just like this miracle blew everybody out of the water. I mean, here was was an idea. Andrew and that little boy, here's the five loaves and two fish. I wonder if Andrew was just being sarcastic. Okay, Jesus, you were asking for a meal. I got you a meal. Go ahead. Here you go, buddy. This is the best we can come up with. And, it's, and Jesus said, "You're only. It's all I need. You're only. is enough for me." He is able to superabundant, beyond measure, more than more than enough, immeasurably more than all we ask or think or imagine, according to. His power that is working in us. In Matthew chapter 14, as we continue the story, in verse 19, he took that little boy's lunch, and Jesus directed the people to sit down. He took the five loaves, the two fish. Notice what he did. The Bible says he looked up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. Jesus did four simple things in it first, When he took the five loaves and two fish. Four things. He gave thanks. He broke the bread. He, uh, I'm sorry. First of all, he looked to heaven. He gave thanks. He broke the bread. And then he gave them out to the people. If you want to only to be transformed into God's overabundance. You can do the same four things here. You can do the same four things. Number one, if you're taking notes, as we develop our faith in us, number one, look to heaven for help. Look to heaven for help. Jesus, the first thing he did when he took the food, you look up to heaven. Now, when you face a need, you may be tempted to look at your own resources. You may be tempted to look at your own means, what you think you can do. We try to do that, and we're tempted to do that. But don't look at what only you have. Instead, look lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look up to the heavens like the psalmist in Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It may be that you're feeling overwhelmed right now. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed with your marriage. Maybe you're overwhelmed with your finances. Maybe you're overwhelmed at your job. Perhaps you're overwhelmed with relationship issues, maybe a physical problem. You're overwhelmed. I pray that today you would start, to, start trying to feel things out and figure things out and start living by faith and start looking up to the heavens. Cry out to heaven. Cry out to God. That, God, I'm overwhelmed and I need you. I need you and I come to you first. I come to you. One of my favorite stories. It's about the life of Corey ten Boom. Corey ten Boom was a Jewish woman that was taken captive in 1944 by the German army. He and his sisters, uh, he and Sister Betty ten Boom were taken together. Meanwhile, the rest of her family, Corey ten Boom never saw again. And they took them to the consecration camp. And February of 1944, under, under horrible condition at one of the camps called Ravensbrook. In December of that year, Bessie Ten Boom, she was dying. By the way, Corey and Bessie had snuck in a Bible in this Nazi prison camp. And they had worshipped God, even in the middle of the of the worst situation, of the worst climate, the worst condition known to man. They still look up to the heavens and worship God. And right before Bessie Ten Boom died, she looked at Corey, her sister, and she said, There is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. God is in the moment. Whatever your situation is, there's not a pit so deep that God's not there. He is there with you. He is with you in Bessie Ten Boom. In the worst condition you could imagine. Recognize God. Fifteen days later, Corey Ten Boom on a clerical error was released. She had no re- she had no she didn't know why. She had no, this wasn't coming. She didn't know it was coming, but she was released, and it sent her off. God used her life, God used her ministry all the way to her death in 1983. McCoy Ten Boom, one of her favorite quotes that I quote often, her quote is, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. And the first thing I pray that you'll do is to look up to the heavens. Stop looking on your own stuff, but look up to the heavens. Number two, give thanks for the little I have. Jesus took time, even with that tiny amount, to five little buns and two little fishes, he thanked God for it. You see, we spend a lot of our time Asking for stuff rather than thanking God for the stuff that we have. This is, the, this, is the, this is the point of contentment and gratitude and thanking God for what you have. You say, hey, I don't have much, but what I have is enough. And I thank you, God, because you give all things. All perfect things come from above. You bless us. Give thanks for the little I have. Don't live in a life of contentment. Stop complaining. Stop complaining. I hear complain complain. We complain. I complain. We've got to stop complaining. Stop being thankful. Be thankful. I said, man, I wish we had a building of our own. We should be thankful for what we have. We really should. We should be thankful for the things that God has blessed us with. Here's the third thought. Cherish the value of brokenness. Cherish the value of brokenness. After Jesus looked to heaven, thanked God for the food, he broke it. It was in this act of breaking the bread that he began to multiply it. God truly values broken things. You see, in our world, when an object is broken, it's worthless. What do we do with it? We throw it away. It's garbage. But in God's economy, when something is broken, God only increases the value. He does the opposite. The bread had to be broken before it could be multiplied. The alabaster box that Mary brought to Jesus had to be broken before the perfume was spilled out. The roof above Jesus' head had to be broken up before the friends could lower the paralyzed man to Jesus. The body of Jesus had to be broken before our sins, before our sin could be forgiven. The body of Jesus had to be broken. In a few minutes, we're going to be breaking bread. And as we break bread through communion, we remind us that the body of Jesus, although it's broken, became more valuable and precious to you and for me. It's because of his sacrifice. One man's sacrifice multiplies salvation for mankind, available for all to have. Last week we talked about the sins of David when he committed adultery and murder. And then he was, out, he was caught out to the carpet by Nathan the prophet. And when that happened, David became a broken man. And he prayed this prayer in Psalm 51 He said, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. You see, God picks up brokenness and can reuse it for his purpose and for his glory. Here's the fourth thought. Serve others before myself. After he broke bread, Jesus started to give it away. I can imagine when the little boy presented his little meal to Jesus, Peter and the disciples, they probably thought, well, at least the staff will be fed. I mean, it would be taken care of. But Jesus instructed the disciples to start serving others first. Don't you eat first. Let everyone else eat first. Give it away. And at the end, 12 baskets. Some believe that it was one basket for every disciple that served. They got a basket for their work, and here's an important lesson: If you are most concerned about meeting your own needs first, you will suffer a miserable existence because you're living a life like we talked about last week—a life all about you. You will suffer a miserable existence. Be willing to help others first, and you'll find that your needs and problems don't seem quite as bad, as severe, after serving others. That's why we challenge people to get, be a part of something that's bigger than yourself. Be a part of something that's bigger than you. Get involved. Serve. Look around the area. Look around your community and find ways to serve. The disciples discovered that the only is God's enough. How about you? What about you? Will you give God all the only that you have so that you can experience the awe and wonder of Jesus? In Exodus chapter 3, as we close, tells the story of a man named Moses. And Moses was 80 years old at the time. He was by himself in the middle of the wilderness, and he came across a burning bush. Started talking to God through that burning bush. For 40 years, you see, Moses had been living in in obscurity, hidden away from society, taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. God started talking to him and said, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt. And I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses offered all kinds of excuses. He said, Lord, you've got the wrong guy. Who am I? I'm just, I'm only an old man. I'm only a shepherd. Only. I talk funny, I stutter, I don't have anything to offer to you. God says, Moses, I know all about your own things, and you're still my guy." And to demonstrate this, God looked at Moses and said, what's in your hand? Moses had his shepherd's staff. Moses said, it's just a stick, a rod. God said, Moses, do want you to throw it down. I'm so sure Moses said, God, this is only a stick. It's only a shepherd's staff. Throw it down. So Moses threw the stick down. The Bible said that it turned into a snake. Now, if I was Moses, I'd be running. Whew. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking off. Snakes and me don't do well together at all. I, I can't handle it. Give me the jeebies. God to Moses, I want you to pick up that snake by the tail. Well, you pick it up by the tail? Now the, the feelers and the figures would have come out of me. Come out. They said, "No, God, I don't feel like touching it. I'm scared of that thing." And also know this: if you touch it by the tail, that's the worst idea you could do, because that thing will come back and tag you. No way. But God said, "I want you to pick it up, Moses." Moses, pick it up. And the snake became a stick again. The snake had gone out of it, and the power of God had gone into it. And from there on forth, the Bible no longer called it the rod of Moses, but instead he called it the rod of God. A few months later, Moses' with faith was an impossible situation. He was taking the people out of Egypt, and they had come to a dead end. And that get in with the Red Sea. And you had the army of, of the Egyptian army right on their tail trying to get them. trying to bring them back. The people were crying out to God for help. And God said, Moses, what's in your hand? This time Moses knew. He knew what it was. There was more than only a staff. That this was the rod of God. And so God said, "Touch the Red Sea with it. Moses touched the Red Sea, and the sea divided open with a dry path right down the middle. And the power of God came through. This morning, God is asking you the same thing. What's in your hands? What's in your hands? What's in your hand this morning? He said, God's only my job. God said, throw it down. Lay it down before me. He said, God's only in my bank account. God says, lay it down before me. He says, it's only my family. God says, lay it down before me. It's only my small abilities. God says, only? I don't understand that word. Lay it down. Lay it down. I only have this much to give. God says, that's enough. Bring it to me. God has been performing miracles with onlys for centuries upon centuries. Adam was only a pot of clay. Goliath looked at David and said, man, this is only a boy with only a slingshot. They said about Mary, they said is only an unwed little girl who's pregnant. They said that Jesus was only a carpenter. Just think about what God can do with your only, if you will offer it to him. Your only, is God's enough. I thank God that didn't allow my speech and my hearing disability to stop me from doing what God wanted me to do. When God called me to do this, I said, no way, God. There was a part of me that said, no way. You got the wrong God. God said, I've got the right God. You're only, You're insufficient. What you don't have is enough for me. I pray that today you will give God what you have. Stop making excuses and say, okay, God, here's what it is. Here I am, all my faults, my words and all, I want you to take it, and he will. Because you're only, it's enough for God. Our Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you today. We thank you for your word and the miracle of the feeding of the five thousand. God, I pray that today we will recognize that you're all that we need. All that we need is you. God, perhaps some of us were just overwhelmed with life. God, I pray that we will look up to the heavens, cry out to you, be thankful for what we have, stop complaining, but be thankful. God, I pray that we would see the brokenness in us the way that you see us. That in Christ, we are enough. In Christ, you, you have a purpose for us. I pray that we stop making excuses that we're worthless. And then God, I pray that we would give it away give ourselves away for your glory. God I pray that we sing this last song and roll into communion as we think about what you've done as you broke yourself for us so that we could have salvation your all that we need everything that we need is you and join and I pray